The word of the Lord says to us, as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, Peter and John, who you'll recall had just healed uh, through the name of Jesus, the man that had been lame. Verse 2, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to spend time in your word, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the public reading of scripture, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to gather together and to seek you. We thank you, God, so much for your grace and mercy upon us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would move upon our lives today by the power of your blessed Holy Spirit. God, that you would speak to us, that you would transform our lives, that we would walk before you in a way which is faithful and in a way which is pleasing to you. Now, Lord, open the word to us today, we pray. We thank you for it. Thank you for your mercy and grace towards us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in this story, you'll recall we have the day of uh, Pentecost, and on the day of Pentecost, those who were believers in Jesus Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, They were transformed by God's uh, grace, and they went out and started sharing the message of the cross. And then a few days later, a little while later, Peter and John are uh, going toward the temple, as was their custom. Remember, at this time, there wasn't a great distinction between those who uh, were believers in Jesus and the normal Jewish activity that was going on in the church. There wasn't this great dividing line between Jews and Christians. And so Peter and John were doing what good Jewish people did in going up uh, to the temple at the time of uh, prayer. And as they were going into the temple, uh, outside of the beautiful gate, you'll recall, there was a lame man who was there who was uh, begging for alms, begging for money, begging for uh, help. And Peter and John did not have any 
money uh, upon them. Now, just imagine if Peter and John were prosperity preachers, that this miracle may have never taken place, right? But they weren't prosperity preachers. They walked through, and they had nothing in their pockets. Silver and gold, I do not have, they said. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And seizing the lame man by the hand, the Scripture says, he, they took him up, he stood upright on his feet, and he began leaping and praising the Lord. Now, those of you who were here a few Weeks ago, remember that the lame was not allowed into the inner temple complex, and so he actually entered into uh, the, the larger portion of the, the temple, and he was able to go in in a place where he had never been able to go in before. And the people were just amazed because this man had been lame by the beautiful gate over 40 years. People had walked by him time and time again. And when they see, saw this, they looked at Peter and John like, what in the world did you do? What kind of power do you have? And Peter and John were clear in that, don't look at us as if by our power or something inherent in us that this man was able to rise up and walk. This man was raised in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And this sets off because they said they did not take credit for what had been done, and they gave credit to where credit needed to be given, which was to the Lord Jesus Christ. When they did this, this set off a chain of events which brings us to their encounter with the Sadducees in chapter 4. Because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, and obviously there had been many who had seen Jesus crucified on the cross and put in a tomb, and now you have these two guys who have done a notable miracle that could not be denied, and they're saying, we did not do it. We did it through the name of Jesus Christ, who had been crucified on the cross, and you have these people in the temple who are leaders, who are Sadducees, who say, there is no resurrection. And so these two viewpoints begin to conflict with one another. You see, there are times in our life and times in the life of those who we see in Scripture where we find, just like Peter and John in this instance, that God's people face injustices. God's people face injustices. When we read through verses 1 through 4 particularly, what we find is that to the Sadducees, the miracle of the healing of the lame man meant nothing to them. The miracle of healing didn't really mean anything to the Sadducees, the people who were initially coming against Peter and John. They were only concerned about what it meant for their power and for their authority. They had a doctrine that was based upon what they could see instead of what Scripture said. They had not seen a resurrection, so they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't see angels or spiritual forces, and so the Sadducees didn't believe in angels or spiritual forces. And so when what was reality that Peter and John had 
by the power of Jesus, healed this lame man, when that comes into direct confrontation with the Sadducees, they don't begin to rethink their belief. They take Peter and John and cast them in jail. Shut your opponents up. Put them in prison to keep them quiet. Don't let them tell anyone else about what has happened. Because a notable miracle has happened, but if they keep saying that it happened in the name of this Jesus, that conflicts with what we've been teaching. And what we've been teaching is that there is no resurrection. What we've been teaching is that there is no other spiritual forces. But if this guy was raised by the name of Jesus, we've got to reevaluate what we believe. And instead of reevaluating what we believe, what we want to do and instead of giving up our power, instead of saying we were wrong, what we want to do is take these innocent men and throw them in jail, shut them up. Injustice. Peter and John were, in essence, political prisoners. People who knew something had happened, but others, because they believe a different way, wanted them to be quiet, to not speak anymore, to not talk anymore about the name of Jesus, because the more they spoke about the name of Jesus, the more it threatened the power of the religious elite. It challenged the authority of the Sadducees and the other religious leaders. It challenged their ability to understand Scripture. It challenged their place as teachers of the law. It would rob them of their power, of their authority over people. But in our life, what we, you and I must find and what we see here in Scripture is that there are times when injustices happen to good people for doing the work of the Lord. There are times when injustices happen. There are times when the wrong things happen to people who are doing the right thing. And the scriptures tell us that this will happen. John 15 and 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, keep in mind that they are also going to persecute you. In Acts 14 and 22, it says, we must endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Peter and John knew that what they saw and what they had experienced was the truth. They saw the lame man healed, and they knew it was done by the power of Jesus. You see, Peter and John could have taken that opportunity at that moment to say, well, yes, it's by our power. Yes, this man was raised uh, from his lame state by the power that we innately possess. Now worship us, give to us, and we'll pray that the same thing happens to you. But they knew that wasn't the truth, and all that they could do was preach the truth, that this man had been raised by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Sadducees could not understand what God was doing. They could not see a future in which they did not hold power. You and I have to be careful. We have to be careful. And what my prayer has been for us as a church is that God would raise up people who are discerners 
of the spirit world around us, people who are discerning of what God is doing and how God is doing it. The Sadducees did not like that the existing power structure would be disrupted. They did not want things to change. They liked being in power. They liked being the ones who could call the shots. Jesus talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said they liked being the ones wearing the beautiful clothing. They liked being the ones who would stand up in the temple and give the long prayers, and people affirm them and pat them on the back. And then Jesus tells them later on, how can you believe when you're seeking to get glory from one another? Belief is not even in the realm of possibility for you because you are seeking seeking affirmation from man instead of seeking affirmation from God. But the Sadducees and the religious leaders enjoyed the pats on the back, enjoyed being able to call the shots, enjoyed being the one who is in charge. And for them to maintain power, it meant that injustice had to be done against Peter and John. <clears throat> but injustice can be the soil of transformation. Injustice can be the soil of transformation. Throughout the book of Acts, what we see is that the persecution of the church, a persecution of innocent people who God was working through in order to build his church, the persecution of those particular people increased as we see the book of Acts moving along and as we even see later on and we have uh, an idea about what happened to the disciples and the apostles later on in their life and how they died, how they met their eventual uh, demise, what we see almost all of it in almost every case, they were following the Lord Jesus Christ and they were persecuted for the good things that they were doing. But injustice can be the soil of transformation. As Peter and John were being treated unjustly, look at what verses 3 and 4 say to us. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So even though injustice was being committed against Peter and John, God was still growing and building his church through the message that Peter and John were preaching that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Now, certainly in this point, if we're only talking about men, there were more people who believed than 5,000, but at least 5,000 had come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I must do what Peter and John did, and that is have an understanding that in the face of injustice, we must maintain the spirit of Christ and recognize that our moment of difficulty is working in us a greater good for the glory of God. When injustices happen to us, there are really only two paths that we can take. You can become bitter and angry, or you can determine to live righteously for God's glory so that his kingdom will grow. 
So think about your life. Think about where you find yourself. Think about the time when someone has wronged you through no fault of your own. Think about the time when maybe even as an innocent child, someone did something to you that they shouldn't have done. Someone spoke something to you, and that recorder continues to play in your mind over and over again. Think about someone in your workplace or even someone in the church. You can choose to hold on to that bitterness and live with that bitterness and be angry about it and become bitter throughout your life, or you can choose to live righteously in the face of persecution for God's glory so that his kingdom will grow. And if we keep our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ, persecution teaches us the message of John the Baptist. We must decrease and he must increase. It becomes less about us and more about him. It becomes less about the challenges of our life and ease in this life and more about longing for the life that is to come. I've encountered some people at times that seem to enjoy this life and aren't longing for the life that is to come. Not longing for heaven. This life is pretty good. This life doesn't hurt my lifestyle. I like it. I like living this way. I like the good things that I enjoy, the good things that I have. None of us wants to meet our maker in an untimely way. I understand that. But ultimately, our longing must be for our heavenly home. And when we long for heaven, when our longing is what they sang about this morning, to be in the presence of Jesus and to worship him and to know that everything that we have ever done, everything that we have ever thought is laid bare before the Lord. Now, initially, that can be a scary thought, can it? But when everything that we've ever done, everything that we've ever been, every thought that we've ever had is laid bare before the Lord, yet we have named Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can worship him truly because he knows everything, and he's received us anyway. He knows where we've been. He knows the journey that we have been on, and if we proclaim him as Lord and Savior of our life, in spite of all the things that we have done, in spite of all the things that we have thought, the Lord Jesus Christ accepts us, and that ought to be our longing to be before him forever and ever and ever. And sometimes the injustice that we experience in this world pushes us to long for heaven a little more and to realize this world is not my home. When we believe that this world is our home, we become like the Sadducees and like the Pharisees, power grabbing because this is all we get. But when heaven is our home and we know in the end Jesus will set everything right, we can step forward faithfully before him knowing that all things are under his control and that when we are before him, everything will be set right. Keeping our mind on Christ in the midst of injustice, in the midst of persecution. You will face injustice in this life. 
you're going to face injustice in this life. But if you face injustice with eternity in mind, you're just able to fly over that bad part of your life and keep moving for God's glory. Keep moving for God's glory. God's people face injustice, but God's people face opportunities even in the midst of injustice. Because the healing of the lame man threatened the power structures that were in existence, it gave Peter and John the opportunity to present the gospel to the highest levels of the religious leaders in the temple complex. Now, some of you may have heard me share this before, but in uh, our church in uh, Tennessee, there was uh, a gentleman who was a part of it. He's a pastor now, and uh, he was a Green Beret in the Army, had ascended to a higher rank. I don't recall exactly which one, but uh, they, he and his family attended our church uh, in Tennessee for uh, a while, and uh, he shared a story one time. He was, he was preaching the gospel, and he shared a story with us. He was uh, in Iraq, and he said the rules of engagement in Iraq said that uh, you could not proselytize uh, the Iraqi forces that they were working with. So they could not seek to share about Christianity or other things. He said, but the rules of engagement said nothing about trying to proselytize the uh, American soldiers that he was with. So as they, he said, he never, you know, tried to proselytize the Iraqis, just lived before them faithfully. But when the opportunity came about for him to talk to a fellow soldier about the gospel, he would share the gospel and uh, continued to share the gospel. And it kind of got to his commanding officer, and his commanding officer said, no, you can't do that. And he said, uh, the rules of engagement say I have full freedom to talk to my fellow soldiers. Uh, I understand about not speaking to the Iraqis or others, but uh, I have full freedom to be able to do this. And it kind of went back and forth for a while. And what happened is he began to have to go through, uh, I guess, kind of like a court process. And he had the right to appeal all the way up to the general. And he said, when it when the process began, and he was always given the opportunity to speak. That was part of the requirement, that he was able to give the opportunity to share uh, in his defense. And he said, I did not try to defend myself. What I did every time was present the gospel. With the first person of rank, I started sharing the gospel. And then I appealed it to the next guy, and I shared the gospel to the next guy. And then I, the next guy, I sh- all the way to the general, he was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they did nothing to him. They allowed him to continue to share uh, the message of the cross. And in that, in that uh, process, he was able to share the message of Jesus up to the highest ranks. So you never know how God will use the injustices that are done against you in order to be able to have his gospel go to the highest levels. There will, I think, in our day, in this day that we see, God may pull some of you and there may be things done to you, but it may be the opportunity for you to step out and to share the gospel with people who would not otherwise hear. God's people face opportunities to share the message of the cross even in the midst of injustice. 
Peter and John understood that what was going on was not simply a battle between them and the religious leaders, but there was a spiritual battle that was happening. Peter and John had spent time in the presence of the Lord. But the religious leaders and those who were learned, they had not spent time in Jesus' presence. And the Holy Spirit was working through two men who were untrained in order to preach the gospel in power and in demonstration of spirit to the highest levels of the temple hierarchy. We talk about unity quite often. And in the church, we ought to have unity. You and I ought to seek to be unified with one another. And this body, for those of us who name Jesus, those of us who believe in the Holy Scriptures, those of us who recognize Jesus as the head of this church, we ought to be in unity with one another. Yet Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 49, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. Interesting statement from the Lord, isn't it? Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. You see, what had happened in the day of Peter and John is that the lines had been muddied between what it meant to follow the Lord and what it meant to be a true believer. There's a reason that John the Baptist was sort of out in the desert baptizing and calling people to repentance. There's a reason that Jesus came on the scene at the moment in which he did. And what Jesus did was draw a stark dividing line between those who were in the religious hierarchy and those who were seeking after him, those who were seeking truly for the coming of the Lord. Jesus draws a stark dividing line, and we see it very clearly here with Peter and John. We see in this instance with Peter and John that Jesus brings division between them who are seeking to faithfully follow him, who are seeking to see the gospel push forward, and the religious leaders who are seeking to hold on to their power. Jesus clears the muddy lines. In the brief message that Peter shares, he brings clarity between the true gospel and a religion of bondage. He brings clarity between a true gospel that frees people from their sins, that frees people from the bondages of the past, and a religion that seeks to enslave people and put burdens onto people that the religious leaders themselves were unwilling to carry. And there are seasons of life where God brings you and me in our personal lives to a reckoning of who we are what we believe, our attitudes, and our actions. There are times in your life where God encounters you in such a way that he wants to stir up maybe some of the long-held assumptions that you have about who you are and how you are to follow him. The enemy wants you to continue to struggle with the same vices. Maybe God's trying to bring division in your life to say, 
that part should no longer have a hold on you. The enemy wants to say that you need to hold on to this bitterness and anger and keep reliving it and keep uh, reviving it. And Jesus says, you want to let it go. You don't need to hold on to it anymore. You don't need to let that be controlling on you anymore. You need to let it go. See, you can choose to hold on to these things and coddle these things and think about these things, and what will happen is it will consume your mind. And as it consumes your mind about what's been done to you, how it's been done to you, when it was done to you, who did it to you, whatever else, when that begins to consume your mind, that's all you think about. And what Jesus wants you to think about is the glory of the kingdom. What Jesus wants you to think about is that there is freedom in him, that you can be relieved from the past. When Peter and John were called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they left everything. Their lives changed. Their livelihood changed. Their experiences changed. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. Several weeks ago, when we asked some of the young people to stand and then everyone to stand, and I said, if you just sense maybe that God is putting a calling on your life or something a little different maybe than what you've been doing or something a little unique, if you just, if you just sense that, maybe you're not sure. And I asked some people, I asked people in the congregation to uh, raise their hand. What God is speaking to you is that there are things in your life that have to be changed to get you from where you are to where God is calling you to go. I remember as a boy, probably about um, 13 or 14 years old, and sensing the call of God on my life for something different. I, you have to understand, uh, I did not come from a background. Uh, I was in church uh, basically my whole life, but not from a background where we were truly discipled um, for, within the church. So kind of knew some of the stories of Scripture, but did not really know how that applied in my life to the point that you all have heard me tell this, uh, this, this funny story before. Uh, even after I got, you know, reading my Bible and engaging my Bible some more, and I was reading actually through the book of Acts, and, I, and uh, I, I get to where Saul becomes Paul, and I think there's a mistake in the Bible. And so I actually go, and I start whiting it out, <laughs> changing Paul to Saul. No, it's Saul in the beginning. This is a mistake. <laughs> And uh, until I learned, I hope the Lord doesn't hold that against me, changing his word. <laughs> but I still have that Bible as a testimony for where the Lord has helped me to learn uh, about him and his word. But in that moment, when I knew the Lord was calling me to something different, it required me to be willing to give up some things, to be willing to give up some friendships, to be willing to change some things, in essence, to be willing to humble myself before the Lord and allow him to transform me into what he desired for me to be. James 4, 7 through 10 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And here's the key. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. There is not anything that you will give up that the Lord will not give back to you in a greater way. There is not anything that you have lost that God would not give back for his grace, for your good, that he would be exalted through it. God will lift you up in the proper time if you are willing to humble yourselves and to let go of some things that God is calling you to let go of. You look at the political system today, if you can stand to watch five minutes of news, (laughs) you watch five minutes of it, and what you see is just this cycle of accusations from one side to the other. And what you see is that side is horrible and awful and everything else. No, this side is horrible and awful. No, this one's horrible and awful. And the opponents of one side tries to define the other side. One side sees the other side as just the leader of all evil and destruction, and the other side sees the other side the same way. And then we look at the life of Jesus on his way to the cross being uh, unjustly accused, and he did not want to go through the cross. Luke 12 and 9, he says, 12 and 49, he says, how distressed I am that I have to walk through this, yet he did it willingly. And what did he not do? He did not speak against his accusers. He chose not to defend himself. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? To not defend ourselves. To not say, I actually did this right. I'm actually the one who made the right decisions here. We want to say that. We want to communicate that with other people, but yet the Scripture tells us, it's not your job to write the injustice. It's not your job to make the injustice right. It's God's job. It's His Holy Spirit's job. He will work in such a way that if we humble ourselves before Him, He will lift us up in due time. We must entrust ourselves to a righteous and holy God. You know, we don't have a lot of details about what happened here, but to my knowledge, this is the first time that Peter and John have been thrown in prison. We don't have a lot of ideas that they were kind of pushing and clawing and saying, no, no, no. But I don't think that's what happened. I think they mimicked the behavior of Jesus. Now imagine if you or I were standing there. And by the power of Jesus working within us, we had seen this lame man. Jesus worked through us. We picked him up by the arm. He's shouting and praising the Lord. And then the preachers come along and they say, what did you do? We're putting you in prison for what you did. What would your response be? I think I know what my response would be. 
Did you not see what just happened? How God used me in this circumstance? He didn't use you. He could have used you, but he didn't. And there's a reason he didn't use you. Nope. That's not what we ought to do. Peter and John, we have no instance of them pushing back until they were given the opportunity not to say how righteous they were, but how great and glorious Jesus was. The greatest challenge in our lives at times is to see every opportunity, every instance in our life as an opportunity for Jesus to be exalted and for us to be transformed. And the beauty of that is when you and I walk humbly before the Lord, at the moment when He lifts us up, we have the promise that we will be in the Lord's presence, that we will be doing his work, his will, in his way. Uh, Acts 4, 11 and 12. Peter preaching here, he says, he is the stone which was rejected by you, Jesus, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The religious leaders rejected Jesus, but God made Jesus the chief cornerstone of the house that he was building. There are two things that we can do in this life. We can either reject Christ or we can receive Christ. We can reject his ways or we can walk in his ways. God's people seek after the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not turn away when there is a challenge or an injustice, but they press into Jesus. They seek after Jesus. They long after Jesus. Because what they realize is that there is salvation in no other name. You and I often put salvation in the box of the end of the age. When we think of that word salvation, we often think, well, that's at the end of the age when God comes to judge and I want to get into heaven. And so if I'm saved, that simply means I am going to get into heaven. Well, it means a whole lot more than that. When you and I keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, what we find is that we are saved from the bitterness. We are saved from the anger. We are saved from the perpetual sin. We are saved from the downcast, downtrodden attitude. We are saved from all of those things because what we realize in every opportunity is that God is going to work it out because we are seeking to follow him and seek after his face. We must realize that there is salvation in no one else, nothing else. If you get lifted up, it will not solve your problems. If everyone figures out that you were right in the end, it still won't solve your problems because there will be another injustice that will come. But what you can do and what I can do is we can continue to tell people, continue to preach to people that there is a way in this world where you can get away from all of the chatter and all of the noise in our world, where you can have a focus that is beyond this world and beyond what is going on in this world if you put your hope and your trust in Jesus. And this is the message of this church. We will preach to people that you must repent and believe in Jesus because there is 
no other way. We're blessed, and that somehow, I don't even know how it happened, Kroger gives us food. Every through the week, on the weekend, yesterday, it was, I mean, we all could have eaten off the food, food Kroger gave us. We'd have had a feast with everyone here. We'd have been able to have more than enough. And we're able to take that food and we're able to go to communities and pass it out. But I'm not going to be a food distribution ministry. I'm going to be a Jesus distribution ministry. I don't want to be just the people who are giving out food to help people. I want to be a church that is sharing the gospel at every single turn. Yesterday in Hearthwood, Hearthwood, right? That's the name, Hearthwood. We met agnostics, Muslims, Buddhists right here in Charlottesville. You don't have to go around the other parts of the world. They're right here in Charlottesville, knocking on a door and trying to communicate with people who don't know the language very well. And when we begin to talk about praying to Jesus, 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 oh, Muslim, Muslim. And I think, how can I communicate with these people? I need something in their language. Looking for a track, looking for a Bible last night in their language in order to be able to share with them that Jesus is the only way. That's what we must be about. We must pray. You and I must pray that here in our community, that our focus as Riverstone Church will be to share the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the only way. You can't have Jesus and a little bit of something else. It is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're putting our trust in Jesus. We're putting our hope in Jesus. When things are done wrong to us, we're keeping our eyes upon Jesus. We're not going to get caught up in all of these other things, but we are going to share the message of the cross. This is what we see happen with Peter and John. They're not trying to right the injustice done to them. They're trying to communicate the gospel to others. I would venture to say that in this room, virtually every single one of us would raise our hand if I were to say, has injustice ever been done to you? We'd probably all raise our hand, and we can all probably all think about something that has been done to us, something that has been said to us, something, and say, yes, injustice has been done to me. And as a church who believes in Jesus Christ, what I would speak to you this morning is that the way to fly over it, the way to move beyond it, is to preach Jesus to seek his face, to long after him, to proclaim there is no other way but Jesus. And as you humble yourselves, as you lay it before the Lord, the Lord will lift you up. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask us to pray for a few things this morning. First, if you have, if you are struggling with some of the things that I've mentioned this morning, Maybe when I speak about injustice, you think in your mind, this has been done to me, and I'm still struggling with it. It's still a challenge in my life. Um, I want us to pray for you. Maybe it's something very recently. Maybe it's something a long time ago. It still is rattling in your mind. We want to pray for you. Maybe there's something that you have done an injustice you've done to yourself that you need deliverance from. We want to pray that God will help you to be delivered.
And thirdly, I'd ask that we pray for our community. In this community are many people who do not know the Lord. And the way in which we bring peace in our community and that overflows into our country and around the world is by doing everything we can to preach the gospel. Everything we can to share the message of Jesus. And I would like you to pray, one, for those who heard the message yesterday, but then pray that God will help us to get resources or people who can speak the language or something to where we're able to truly get the message of the cross into some of these neighborhoods that have very little hope. So let's take a moment and pray together. If injustice has been done to you, or if you have done injustice to yourself, and you're saying, I'm struggling with this. I haven't gotten over it. I need to move beyond it. You need people to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask maybe Pastor Noel and Pastor Chris, uh, some of you others, maybe to come and stand here in the front and be available for prayer as we sing. And... Uh, Lift up the Lord. Let the Lord work in your heart. Get deliverance today. Get deliverance today that you can move on and share the message of the cross. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now to move in our midst. God, as Peter and John were being drugged to the prison, Lord, as they were being persecuted for doing what was right, Had they had money in their pocket and dropped it in the guy's cup and passed on, they'd have been just fine. But because they did a good deed to a man, by the power of Jesus, they were drug off and put in prison. An injustice. God, I pray that you will move in this place this morning. And God, you will help people to release things to you. To release it to you, O Lord. To let you be the one who manages it. Let you be the one who takes care of it. As we stand firm and preach the message of the cross, Lord, as we are released of those burdens, as we are released of those, Lord God, and as we preach the message of the cross, God, we will see people come to you. As we humble ourselves under your hand, you will lift us up in due time. So God, we stand firm in these promises today. You need prayer this morning. You're coming this morning for prayer. You're coming this morning for prayer.
Give it to the Lord this morning. Jesus, we lay it at your feet. Jesus, we come before you and we release it to you, Lord. We release it to you, O God. We trust you that you are working all things together for our good and your glory. God, we want to be like Peter and John. God, in the face of injustice, in the face of cruelty, O Lord, We want to be ones who preach the gospel, who have the opportunity to share the message of hope. I pray, God, that you would help that to be our singular focus as your people. God, knowing that, yes, we will face injustice, but there is opportunity. There is opportunity to share the message of hope. And God, I pray this morning that as we release these things to you, that we would not pick them back up again that we would not pick them back up again. But 
And so we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We exalt you. We love you. We commit this time to you, O oh God. We thank you for your presence this morning. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.